Amen. It's all because of Jesus, and it's all because Amen. Jesus is alive. Yes. Oh! 
thankful this morning that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Amen. Man, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Man, we, we're going to worship. We're going to praise Him. We're just going to glorify Him because He is so worthy of that. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, thank you so much for being here. I know we have some of you our guests. This is your first time. Inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. You can place that out in the, the foyer. There's a box out there. If you'll just drop that in there, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. We have a small gift for you at the welcome desk. So if you didn't stop by there, stop by there on the way out. There'll be some ladies there who will uh, welcome you. And again, it's it's a blessing to have you with us, and we pray that you will see this morning our love for Jesus and our love for one another. If you have your bulletin, there's several announcements um, in there. Please pay attention to them. We've got a quarterly conference coming up in a, in a couple weeks. Next week, super excited about this. We've got our Northside's Got Talent next Sunday night. We're going to start at 5 o'clock. Um, it'll get you home a little bit earlier, so be here. You're going to laugh. You're going to worship. You're going to have an incredible time, um, so make sure you're here for that. Uh, good news for those of you with, with young kids, Children's Church resumes today. Anybody excited about that? There you go. Um, so for our pre-K through second grade, uh, you're going to go to Children's Church this morning. They're going to be over in, our, in the other building, the education building. That's where you're going to pick them up. But starting next week, we're going to split the classes and they're going to go back down our children's wing. So this morning, back, yeah, so back over there, uh, you'll pick them up over there. It's pre-K through second grade, uh, so you want to make sure uh, you're a part of that. They're going to go out right after the choir sings. I'll come up, and I'll dismiss them. So it'll be right after the choir sings. Uh, the kids will head to Children's Church. Uh, we'll mention some other announcements at the end of the service, but those are a few uh, that I wanted to highlight uh, right now. The Praying the Scripture this morning um, is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to look at this verse at the very end of our sermon. It's also the verse that appears on the front of your bulletin. It simply says this, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just to spend a moment in prayer, and I want the focus of your prayer simply to be praise. I don't, I don't want you to ask God for anything. I just want you to praise Him. Praise Him for who He is. Magnify His name all to His glorious grace. So if you'll pray right where you are, I'll pray for us and over us in just a moment. Most gracious Heavenly Father, this morning as we open your word, we are going to see, God, these tremendous blessings that you have poured out upon your sons and daughters. We are going to see, God, your mighty work. And all that we see in chapter 1 that will unfold over the next three weeks, Paul says it is to the praise of your glorious grace. God, our salvation, our redemption, our forgiveness, our adoption, all of that, God, you did so that you might receive the glory. You are worthy of our praise. Father, I know this morning we all come in here with needs. 
We all come in here with concerns and burdens. Maybe it's for our own life. Maybe it's for someone else. Father, I pray that as we hear the proclamation of your word, as we continue to worship together, Lord, that you would just so move within us, so stir our hearts that we would see, God, who you are, that we would respond to that with praise, with humility. God, that you and you alone would receive all the glory for everything that takes place here and everything, God, that's going to take place as a result of what you do in our midst today. Father, may your people not be quiet. May we not be silent. We are gathered together to sing your praises, to lift up your name. And whether we're here in person or whether we're watching online, God, you be glorified from our hearts, from our lips, as we offer them up as a sweet aroma, as, a, as an offering unto you, God, because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Would you stand and continue to worship with us? Dark night, you will. 
Amen. Thank you, choir. All right, Children's Church. You kiddos ready? You got to wait for Miss Tracy. You can't leave before Miss Tracy leaves. So that would not be good. Uh, but if you'll head over to the fellowship hall, she will meet you over there. And while they're making their way, let me just testify for a moment, uh, Church, of your faithfulness and the work that, that you're doing and the impact that God is having in you. So I've got three text messages in the last couple days uh, that have just been an encouragement to me. One, actually Ryan just got a few minutes ago. Uh, the sellers are at home and, and little Bennett was watching the sermon and he was waving uh, as he saw us up here. Um, and then I got a message, I believe it was yesterday, from the Caldwells as they were traveling back from their trip, a picture of, of their kids intently watching our worship service online, like intently singing, listening to the preaching of God's Word. And I thought, man, I wish everybody would listen as intently as those little girls. So I'm going to be paying attention to see who's listening <laughs> intently this morning. And then right as we were singing, I got a text message from Miss Emma, who's off to college, saying, watching from afar. So Emma's watching this morning, so just the impact from the littles up to those going off to college, the impact that Northside has had upon our kids, pointing them to Jesus, is truly awesome. Hey, let's pray, and then we are going to dive in. And I hope you have a copy of God's Word, because I really want you to follow along. Father, you are worthy. We're going to testify to that this morning, Paul testifies to that in the verses that we're going to look at. Father God, all Spirit, we need you to help us to understand your word. Give us knowledge. Give us wisdom. Lord, there's a lot of distractions. Help us to focus today. Help us to listen intently. May we receive with humility, great rejoicing, Father, the word that you have for us today, for your glory and your honor. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was April 1st, 1996. The Kentucky Wildcats basketball team had made the national championship game. The last time they had won the championship was 1978, the year before I was born. So I was getting to experience something that I had never experienced before. Uh, our youth group, we had gathered, we were watching it, we were screaming, we were hooping and hollering, we were jumping up and down, we were like, hit your foul shot. Some were probably yelling at referees, but I would never do that. Um, there's a lot of just intensity, and 
at, when, it, when zeros were on the clock, Kentucky had won uh, national champions. Man, we were overwhelmed with joy. Some of the guys took off just running down the street. I, I wasn't running. They were running just screaming right with this excitement. We couldn't contain it. We get excited about a lot of things. This morning, what are you excited about? This morning, what brings you joy? As Paul begins his letter, he is filled with joy. He cannot contain it. So he starts by praising God. For 12 verses, he praises God, beginning in verse 3, Blessed or praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For 12 verses, from verse 3 to verse 14, he praises God. But here's the thing. In Greek, this isn't 12 verses. This isn't 12 sentences. It's one long run-on sentence that would drive you English teachers bonkers. There are no periods until you get to the end of verse 14. He just cannot help but praise his God. He begins, blessed be the God and Father. He ends, verse 14, with to praise, to the praise of his glory. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to break down these 12 verses in English, this one long sentence in Greek. A couple observations before we dive into this. Number one, I want you to notice that 14 times in this one long sentence, Paul speaks of our being in Christ or our being in Him. 14 times. Christ is the center of this. And in this one sentence, the second general observation is that you will notice the Trinity. We are Trinitarian people. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see it in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, God the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, that's God the Son, with every spiritual blessing. Spiritual there is referring to the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Many commentaries break down 3 through 14 this way, and this is how we're going to unpack it over the next three weeks. Verses 3 through 6 focus on God the Father choosing us. Verses 7 through 12 focus on the Son of God, Jesus, redeeming us. And then verses 13 through 14 focus upon the Spirit of God and how He seals us and guarantees our inheritance. Y'all have been ready to preach for a couple days now. So just hang, hang tight because we're going to have some fun this morning. Let's jump right in. I want you to notice four things that God the Father does for us that has Paul overwhelmed with joy. Number one, I want you to know that we are blessed by God the Father. We are blessed by God the Father. Paul begins, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. So the source of our blessings is God the Father. That's why Paul's praising him. God the Father blesses us. He continues, who has blessed us in who? Christ. Every spiritual blessing that we have, that the Father gives, comes only in Christ. You cannot have access to His blessings apart from Christ. It's only in Christ and through Christ that we have these blessings. He continues, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So let's break, let, let's break that down. Spiritual blessing, what is that speaking of? Well, as I first was thinking through this, my first thought was spiritual must be opposed to the material. 
So Paul here is not talking about how God has given us every physical blessing or financial blessing, but it's spiritual blessings. And there is certainly some validity to that. But I think his purpose here is not that, but rather the word spiritual is an adjective pertaining to or belonging to the Spirit of God. So when he talks about spiritual blessings, he's talking about the blessings that we have through the Holy Spirit. Peter O'Brien, in his commentary, writes, Everything that Christians have received through God's saving act in Christ is comprehensively summarized in the expression, every spiritual blessing. Paul is rejoicing because God has blessed him. Everything that is Christ is now Paul's through the work of Christ and the Spirit of God. Notice a very important word he says, who has blessed us in Christ with every. You may want to circle that word, every. He says, who has blessed us? This isn't a future promised blessing. This is something he's done in the past, meaning the blessings are already yours. Right now as you sit here, you possess every spiritual blessing. It's yours now. Every, meaning every blessing that we have comes from who? God. That's what James says. Every good gift comes from God above. What that also means is the blessings you will need going forward, God will provide. See, sometimes we think that God's in heaven and He gives us some things and yet He's withholding some things from us. Not so. Everything you need, could ever want in Christ, is already yours. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's yours right now. God is not saying, okay, you need more love, I'll give you some of that later. You need more peace, I'll give you that later. It's all yours right now in Christ. It's already yours. You possess it. Every spiritual blessing. And then he says this phrase. This is unique to Paul. It's unique to Ephesians. He says, in the heavenly places. What's he talking about there? Well, In the heavenly places, he uses it in chapter 1, verse 6. He uses it in chapter 1, verse 20, when he says this, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the what? Heavenly places. And then Paul drops this truth bomb on us in chapter 2, verse 6, when he says this, and raised us up. He's talking about how God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. One author writes, Heavenly places is a way of saying that this world is not the only reality. Sometimes we put blinders on and we think this physical world is all that there is. A larger reality exists where Christ is already exalted as Lord, where believers participate in His victory, and where spiritual forces are opposed. Alistair Begg says this refers to the unseen world of spiritual reality. Our blessings are in Christ, and they are in the heavenly places where Christ is seated. Where are you this morning? Well, come on, Pastor, that's an easy question. I'm in, I'm at Northside Baptist Church in Noonan, Georgia. Yes, you are, but there's a greater reality. You know where you really are? You are already in Christ, Paul says, in the heavenly places. That's good stuff. 
That means your salvation is a guarantee. It is a certainty. So much so that Christ in this other reality, beyond the physical, has already seated us with Him. Man, that is good. That's why Paul can't help but praise God. So Thursday, I was coming home. Uh, I've had the boys all week long, uh, and so we were up here at church, and uh, Ryan took Landon to get his hair cut. Malachi and I are in the car, and I'm listening to the radio, and I heard a song for the first time. I didn't realize this song had been playing on the radio for months. Ryan's like, you're always behind on these songs. But I heard a song for the first time. It's called House of the Lord by Phil Wickham. Church, i got to be honest. I'm going to come back to it at the end. I, as I began to hear this song, was overwhelmed with rejoicing. It took all I had to hold onto the steering wheel, not to raise my hands and just start worshiping God. And if Malachi went in the back seat, I may have done it. But he was there, so I held on tight. I began to praise God. Let me, let me read some of these lyrics to you. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. I love this. And we won't be quiet. We shout out with praise. But I just started shouting right there, just praising God. And then verse 2 says this. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross. Then he rose up from that grave. My God is still rolling stones away. Paul cannot help but rejoice when he thinks about the blessings that God has poured out upon him. And I hope that you are just as excited and just as thrilled about the blessings that God has provided for you as well. Number two, Paul says we are chosen by God the Father. Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. We call this the doctrine of election. It speaks to God's selecting and choosing us. A church right up front. When we read, even as He chose us, and we think about election, this is difficult. This is difficult for us to understand. This is difficult for our minds to grasp. This is difficult. It may be difficult, but you need to understand it is biblical. Paul says, even as he chose us in him. My pastor, when I was in uh, teenage years in the youth group, I remember him telling me a story. He had been talking, preaching through the book, and it came to election predestination, which is here in our text. And a lady came up to him afterwards and said, Pastor, I just don't believe that. I don't believe in election. I don't believe in predestination. He said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but it's in the Bible. Like, the Bible speaks of, of this language. And she said to him, I don't care, I don't believe it. He said he didn't, but he wanted to take a large step back for fear that God was going to strike her dead right there. This is difficult, but it's in the Scripture. So when we read, even as He chose us in Him, some of you are squirming a little bit. It makes you uncomfortable. Like, ooh, whoa, whoa, where's Pastor going with this? What, what's Paul talking about here? It makes us a little uncomfortable. But you and I need to understand, Paul is not making this up. It's not like suddenly writing this letter for the first time, Paul introduces us to this idea of God's choosing. It's all throughout the Scripture. God chose before the foundation of the world 
He chose to create. God's the one that chose to create for His glory. It was God who chose Abraham. And that He would bring blessings through Abraham. It's why we read Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God chose Abraham. It was God who chose the nation of Israel. Not because who they were or what was in them, but because He chose them. It was Jesus who chose the twelve disciples. Is it because there were only 12 men alive at the time? No, there were a lot of men, but he chose 12. And it's Paul who said as he's heading down to the road to Damascus that Jesus called him to be an apostle. So here's the question. When did God choose us? Well, what's Paul say? Even as he chose us in him, what? Before the foundation of the world. This phrase speaks to creation, the beginning Paul is saying God chose us long before we were born and long before the world was created. So what's the implication of that? If God chose us before the foundation of the world, here's the implication. It simply means this. God's choosing you was not based upon you or anything you did or did not do. Because He chose you before the foundation of the world. Before you could even do anything, He chose you. He chose us. Salvation begins with God. He is sovereign over all things. Now look, this is the point where some of us push back. We say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What about my responsibility? What about my choice? Jesus said, repent and believe. I repented. I believed. What about me? I did those things. Yes, you did. And here's the thing. And this is why this becomes a mystery to us. Because when you read the New Testament, what you have is the divine sovereignty of God, who is sovereign over all things, including salvation, and you have human responsibility. Man's responding in faith and taking hold of God. How do we explain this? Let me let you in on a little secret. Theologians have tried to answer this question for thousands of years. I'm not going to be able to solve that for you today. It's just not going to happen. So how do we reconcile God's divine sovereignty over all things and our responsibility and our choice? Well, one person asked C.A. Spurgeon that question. He said, Spurgeon, how do you reconcile these two truths to each other? And Spurgeon said, I wouldn't try because I never reconcile friends. Listen, I can't explain it, but I know they're there in Scripture right next to each other. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. I heard it illustrated this way, um, and I'm going to add my own experience to this. Uh, So last summer, when we went to Snowbird, we went whitewater rafting, and somehow BJ and I wound up in the same same boat. Uh, And we wound up on the same side. There were three on each side, and he's in the middle and I'm in the back. And we weren't going too far down before the guide's like, yeah, this ain't working. we got to switch this. One of you's got to get on the other side. So if you think about your rafting, you think about canoeing, kayaking, you don't just have one oar. And even if you have one oar, you have to do both sides. If you only do the left side, what's going to happen? It's going to go in a circle. If you only do the right side, what's going to happen? It's going to go in a circle. It requires both. When it comes to divine sovereignty and human responsibility, it's not an either-or. It's a both-and. They're both there. They work together. Again, I I can't explain it all, but it's there. It's the truth of God's Word. Let me give you another illustration. When you think about salvation, H.A. Ironside talks about it this way. He says, just imagine... Right, You get to heaven, and there's this narrow door. Jesus said narrow is the way. There's this narrow door. 
You walk up to the narrow door, and on the door, this is what you read. Whoever will, let him come. You're like, okay, whoever will. I, I will. I, I chose to come. And so you go into the door. Right? You walk in, you came, you responded, you took hold of Jesus, and as you walk in the door, right, you've accepted that invitation, the door closes, you walk through, you turn around, and on the inside of the door is this, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. It's both. Yes, you received and you believed, but you received and you believed because you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Let me give you one more illustration. When I get to heaven, if God actually asked the question that we so often ask in our evangelism efforts, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you into my presence? You know the last thing I'm going to say? Because I chose you. I'm not going to say that. You know what I'm going to say? Because you chose me. You and your grace saved me. You sent your son. It's not going to be about me. It's going to be all about him. So Paul says, even as I chose you before the foundation of the world. Don't be so quick to push back on this idea of God's choosing. It's in the Bible. We're trying to understand it. We're trying to make sense of it, but it's there. Also, don't be like some people who like to just walk into a room and throw this bomb just to get people riled up. I remember going into seminary, man, seminary students would just sit around and argue about sovereignty and Calvinism and all of these things. And I'm like, why are y'all just arguing about this stuff? You're just trying to get each other riled up. But we have been chosen by God. Paul is clear there. Number three, you are declared righteous before God the Father. Look what he says. This is important. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Holy and blameless. Sometimes we focus on the choosing part. We, we overlook this part. Holy. This is what God gives us. He gives us holiness. He gives us righteousness. Blameless. This is what God removes from us. God takes away our guilt. He takes away our blame when we are saved. So, right, He set us apart. He chose us so that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Now, um, a little more doctrinal talk here just to kind of help you think about this. When we think of holiness, we often talk about positional holiness, positional holiness, and practical holiness. Which one is Paul speaking of here, and what do those mean? When he says, even as, I chose, even as he chose us in him with the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless, what is he talking about? Well, by reading this, here's the implication. If one of God's purposes in choosing us was to make us holy and blameless, then here's the implication. When He chose you, you are not holy and blameless. In His choosing you, He declares you now to be holy and blameless. Church, some of y'all need to know this. When God sees you, if you are in Christ, what He sees is Christ. He doesn't see your jacked up, messed up sin. Because positionally, your relationship with God is now in Christ. His blood covers you. That's what he sees. So when he talks about that we should be holy and blameless before him, I think ultimately he's talking about our positional holiness. That you would be right with God, holy before God, all because of what Christ has done. But we also understand there is another element to this, and that is the practical holiness. Practical holiness. Romans 8.29 says this, predestined, We were predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
Meaning, you and I are declared right with God, holy before God, but yet practically, we should look more and more and more like Jesus as we live our lives. The longer we follow Jesus, the more we should look like Jesus. And how does He do this? He does it through the indwelling Spirit of God. Church, the unworthy have been declared worthy through Jesus Christ. The unrighteous have been declared holy through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Paul, understanding this, can't help but praise and bless God the Father. But then he says one more thing, and that is this. We are adopted by God the Father. He says, in love, He predestined us for adoption. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. You were predestined. That word means predetermined. You were predestined to be sons of God. Now, now let's think about this for a moment, because we're going to unpack this a lot in Ephesians. If you were predestined to be sons of God then that also means you were predestined to be part of the family of God. The family of God, anybody want to take a guess, is the what? What do we call it? It's the church. So if you were predestined to be a son and a daughter, then you were also predestined to be part of the church. So those who want to say being part of the church is optional, it's not part of the Christian experience, they don't understand Ephesians. Is it necessary to be saved? No. There could be somebody on an island somewhere who was shared to, somebody told him about Jesus. They are saved and there are no other believers around. He's not part of a church. But for us, when there are churches, bodies, local gatherings on every street corner, you and I being in Christ ought to also be in a body of believers, in a fellowship of believers. You see, God chose us for adoption. He elected us to be sons and daughters. Let me ask you a question. Those of you who have kids, when did you start loving your kids? Honestly, when did you start loving your son? When did you start loving your daughter? Not the moment you held them. Not 10 years old when they hit a home run. Some parents love like that. That's, I don't believe that's how you loved or when you loved your kids. When did you love them? Before they were born. When did I love Malachi? When did Ryan and I love Malachi? The first time we held him on a couch? Absolutely not. We loved Malachi years before we knew who Malachi was. Because God had put adoption on our heart, and we knew eventually we were going to hold a child who would be ours, and we already loved him. Do you think Landon, when I say, Landon, we loved you before you were born, says, no, no you did not. I don't want to hear that. That would be insanity. You think when Malachi gets older and he understands that we loved him before we knew who Malachi was, Nahum was, and he's going to say, come on, Dad, that's not possible. No, but yet, for some reason, when it comes to Scripture and we hear that God loved us before the foundation of the world, some of us are like, nope, can't be true. Yes, it can be. It is true. Because this is what the Word of God says. Now, some of you may be quick to ask this question then why did God choose me? If you're telling me that before the foundation of the world, God chose me, why? Why would God choose me? Here's the only answer I can give you. 
because he loved you. And some of you are going to say, but why in the world would God love me? A wretch sinner like me. And here's my answer. Because he loved you. That's it. I got, I got nothing else for you. He, in love, predestined us to be his sons and daughters. Now, church, full disclosure, I admit this is mind-blowing stuff. Like, I think your brain weighs like three pounds, maybe, maybe, not, maybe not even that much. This little brain can't comprehend this. My God is infinite. He, who knows the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor, Paul says? Listen, if we could figure out who God is and know everything about him, would he really be almighty? If this puny little mind could figure out everything there is to know about God, no, he is infinite. He is almighty. We don't know everything there is to know about God, but one day we will see him face to face. Church, I don't know why he chose me to be his son, but he did. He chose me. And Paul says it was according to the purpose of his will. That word purpose can also, your translation may translate that pleasure. It means delight, what pleases. It pleased God. It delighted God to adopt us as sons and daughters. So let me summarize verses 3 through 6 as we begin to land the plane here. Verses 3 through 6, here's the summary. God chose a people, set us apart, declared us as sons, and has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's, let's read that again. God chose a people, set us apart, declared us as sons and daughters, and has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's in essence what Paul is saying in verses 3 through 6, and he's praising God for it. So, this is what God has done for you in Christ, because of Christ. So, two questions. Number one, who or what can take that away from you? If God has done this for you, who can take it away? Not sin, not cancer, not the world, not Satan, not even death can take away what God has done for us in Christ. Amen? It is yours. Live in that reality. Rejoice because of what God has done for you. Right? Our first, and, and then the second question is this. How should we respond to this? If we know no one can take it away, and this is what God has done for us in Christ, how do we respond to this? Let me propose two things to you that God reminded me of this week. Number one, we respond with praise. We respond with praise. Look at verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace. Why has God chosen? Why has He adopted? Why has He declared us righteous? Paul says it is all to the praise of His glorious grace. It's why He redeems us. It's why He forgives us. It is all to His glorious grace. So we respond with praise. I'm a big fan of the Olympics. Love the Olympics. Um, one of my favorite athletes now that I will root on for as long as I possibly can is a young lady by the name of Sydney McLaughlin. Sydney McLaughlin won the 400-meter hurdles uh, in Tokyo. She broke the world record. I was already a big fan of Sydney because she, for one year, attended, anybody want to guess? the University of Kentucky. Go Cats. So she ran for them, so we knew who she was. She was fast there, broke the world record. But here's why I'm really rooting for her. Back in June, she said this, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect His perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. 
Records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. She runs for the glory of God. She understands it's about one thing. It's about bringing Him glory. Alright, so I told you I was going to come back to the song. So, house of the Lord, right? I'm already rejoicing. Again, first time I've really heard this song. And it comes to the bridge. And, and one thing about me is when I find a song I like, I wear that song out. Anybody else do that? I bet I've listened to this song 20 to 30 times in two days. Just over and over and over. Here's the bridge. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Church, I'm, I'm being full disclosure. I got home later, I began to listen to this, and I was, I was literally dancing. Full disclosure. Overwhelmed with joy. Because I was a beggar. And God now tells me I'm royalty. I am His Son. I was enslaved to sin, and now I'm running free. I've been reconciled. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. And it's all by His grace. How do we respond to this? Just rejoice. Worship. Magnify His name, for He is good. But there's a second way to respond. And that is with humility. Because Paul says we do this to the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glorious grace. So here I am. And I'm, sometimes pastors tell stories we exaggerate. This is not an exaggeration. I'm driving down the road on Thursday listening to this song. I am fighting back not to just raise my hands in worship. And then literally, within a second, I begin weeping. Anybody in here do the ugly cry? Like you're just, I mean, I was fighting. Malachi's in the back seat. I'm like, Malachi's going to think I'm a nutcase, right? I mean, I am worshiping, and I am weeping. Almost home. And I, I'm thinking, God, what is happening right now? And this is the Spirit of God just said, and I'm just reminding you how you are to live your life every day. There should be this overwhelming sense of joy because of the blessing of God. And at the same time, you are to be reminded that you deserve none of it. None of it is because of who you are. None of it is because of what you've done. It is all because of my grace. Because I am good, and I am kind, and I am gracious, and I am generous. It's not because of you. God has saved you because He is a saving, good, loving God. Run in that freedom, but don't ever forget it's all because of His grace and has nothing to do with you. And because my God saves, and because my God is gracious, here's what I believe with all of my heart. My God chooses to save, and He, and he wants to save you. I believe that. That right now my God wants to save you. 
That if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never trusted Him, you've never taken hold as Jesus as Lord and Savior, I believe the gospel is extended to you. That you can right now believe and trust and take hold of Him and be saved. So if you don't know the joy that I'm speaking of, and you don't know what it's like to confess your sin and to take hold of Jesus to know these blessings, then please hear my voice. I urge you to give your life to Jesus. Whether you're in here or watching online, give your life to Christ. Let Him change your life because He will do that. If you've already given your life to Jesus, then don't be quiet. Don't be silent. You sing His praises. You lift up your voice. You let people know what God has done for you. All because of His grace. And because of His grace, He can do the same thing for them. That's how good our God is. And that's the blessing He gives to you. Would you close your eyes and, and bow your heads? In just a moment, we're going to sing along with the praise team, Come Thou Fount. We're going to ask you in just a moment to stand where you are. I'm going to be here at the front. If you've never given your life to Jesus, and you've heard this message, and you're like, man, I need to be saved. I need Jesus right now. And I'm going to ask you to come and, and give your life to the Lord. Maybe there's some things going on in your life, and you just needed to be reminded of who God is. That he's, he's already given you these blessings. He's given you everything that you need. And if you're about to embark on a difficult journey or you're going through something in your life, maybe you just want to come and kneel and pray here at the altar. Maybe you want to grab somebody and say, hey, will you come pray with me? We're just going to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you came in this morning and you just weren't feeling it. Maybe you got in an argument on the way here with your family, or maybe it's just been a rough week, and, and, and you just went through the motions, those first couple songs, because you just, if you're honest, you wanted to be in bed. And now, having heard the Word of God and understanding it's not about how we feel, but it's about the truthfulness of God's Word and what He has done for us, now you say, Pastor, I'm ready to sing. I'm ready to praise. And so we want to give you another opportunity just to sing the praises of God and to, and to be thankful for the blessings that He has given us in Christ. Father, I've looked forward for several days now to preach. Lord, I just I pray, God, that what I said was pleasing to you. God, that I preached with the necessary power, the appropriate affections, that in preaching, God, you received the glory. Lord, that your people, God, have brought them joy. God, that it will bring salvation to the lost. Lord, you have spoken. Now may we as your people respond with praise, but may we also respond with humility for your glory and your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to worship. We're going to sing the whole song together, so sing with us. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs Oh, no.
Continue just to be in prayer for Curtis and Ann. He had a surgery earlier in the week to get rid of this kidney stone issue that he's got going on. And so hopefully he'll be back with us on Wednesday. Uh, if not by Wednesday, definitely by next Sunday. So just continue to pray uh, for them. So the sermon this morning, there was a lot of heavy stuff in there. And you're like, man, I'd love to be able to talk more about this, think through this. So we're actually going to start something new this Wednesday. Spend a few minutes on the prayer list, but then we're going to start breaking up into some small groups and just discussing the verses from the previous Sunday. Now, there's a lot of things we could have talked about. I could have gone in more depth, um, but for time's sake, I just couldn't. And so we're going, to, we're going to dive into those. So if you've got questions about some of these things you don't understand, let me encourage you to join us on Wednesday. And then I'm going to give you more information about this next week. Starting on September 1st, our Wednesday night schedule is going to look different. We're going to change a few things. So we'll talk about that next week, what that's going to look like. Hopefully, um, it'll, it'll work better for everyone um, and, and give some of you an opportunity to get a little more uh, involved. So just a couple other things really quick. No activities tonight. Um, you, you got the day off. Don't forget about the talent show next Sunday. Really looking forward to that. Uh, deacons, if you haven't voted uh, for our new deacons, you can do that. Last time to do that is right after the service. Going to the fellowship hall, um, you, you can do that. Uh, you'll see an, an announcement in here about Ruthie and Highland, uh, the, a time of celebration for them. That's just coming up Saturday. You need to please see Robin and Dennis and RSVP if you want a seat next week. They got to know. So if you're planning on coming, you're invited. Please let them know. One last thing. Are they going to the Fellowship Hall to pick this up? Yes. All right. Fellowship Hall. We have some bags, some gifts for those of you who are teachers, so if you're a teacher in our school, or you work in the school, or if you are a homeschool parent, we have just a small bag with some stuff in it that will just hopefully be a blessing to you. It's in the fellowship hall. So if you're a teacher, you work in the school system, or you're a homeschool parent, please go into the fellowship hall and pick that up. Uh, many of you have already started back to school. Some of you start this week. Know that we're praying for you, um, and we just want to help you and serve you in any way that we possibly can. I think that was it. Our Deacon of the Week is Mr. Carrie Beard. Oh, John's got something. That's right. No, no senior luncheon on Tuesday. Come on, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you, John. I didn't write that down. If I don't write it down, I forget it. Um, no senior luncheon on Tuesday. We're going to take a month off, and we'll resume uh, in September. If you'll stand... 
Mr. Carey is going to close us with a word of prayer. Lord, I praise your name. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for loving us. You loved us. We love you because you first loved us. Lord, just guide us in the way we need to go. Give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to be obedient to you and faithful to your word. Help us, Lord, to reach out around us. Tell others of your love and grace. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Thank you for this church. Lord, we love you and we want to be in service to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.